Okay, Phoebe. <laughs> just, just get, get on the bike, and hey, I'll hold you up and and push you. Okay. You won't let go. <laughs> no. You swear? I swear. Okay. Come on. All right, yeah. here we go. All right, all right, all right. Feel good? Well. All right, try pedaling. Okay. That's it, you're doing great. Okay. You're doing great. Yes, 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 take control. Yes. Whee! I just thought you were doing so well. I, I am shocked. Shocked! <laughs> it's a legitimate learning technique. This is the bad place. Welcome to Welcome to Storybrooke. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And this season's still going. We're still in hell. This is chapter, God, I don't even know, chapter eight? The not-so-good place? Or season five, episode 16, Our Decay. Our Decay. I kept on thinking that's like a pun or something, or like it spells out something. But nope. it, it doesn't, it's just words. Yep. So last episode, we found out from the storybook that Hades and Zelina were in some sort of relationship in the past, and... We found out, but the characters did not. Hades had those pages ripped out of the book. But Henry remembered that, as the author, basically the thing he can do is write the story. So he's going to try to write Hades' story so that the storybook crew knows what they're dealing with. Also... Hades has a contract that means that Rumpelstiltskin's second-born child belongs to him. And, and uh-oh, Belle is pregnant! Wah, wah. Yeah. So, in the land of Oz, many years ago... The episode opens with the flashback, which is going to take place after the Oz stuff we've already seen, and before the time travel season. So after Zelina banished Glinda, but before she, you know did everything she did back in season three. So she's green and ruling as the Wicked Witch of Oz at this point. Yes. Now, remember when Regina, way back in season two, when Regina offered to teach Henry magic and she magicked up that cupcake that was overflowing with icing? Oh my god, yes. I completely didn't put that together with the really grossly iced cupcake that we see Zelina eating at the open of this episode. It is iced for aesthetics and not for eating. She's having a not birthday party for herself. We will learn that what this day actually is, is her abandonment day. I sort of thought that happened right after Cora gave birth. I thought she was like, gave birth, threw baby into a tornado. Well, we find out at the end of this episode that her birthday is April 15th. So this is probably like April 16th or 17th. Mm. Also, I'm just going to go ahead and jump into it right now. She says that she doesn't know her birthday. She only knows her abandonment day. And she's watching the scene play out in the magic mirror. Like... Rewind. Right? Yeah, just hit like the 30 second back button. Her having a giant sad over the fact that she was abandoned is interrupted by her spoiling the end of Wicked because she's having the scarecrow brought to her because she wants him. Yeah. Um, this scarecrow is really creepily CGI'd. It's not good, and it doesn't match the aesthetics of the rest of this show. 
See, I didn't think he was creepy. I thought he was just, he does not match the aesthetics of this show. He was kind of too cartoony. It really does not feel like he's interacting with real objects at any point in this. He's very out of place. And not only is he out of place, but it seems like it's wasted money. Why did they do that instead of just putting a guy in a scarecrow outfit? Especially when they clearly couldn't pay for a good airbrush gun to do Zelina's green skin makeup. So she starts explaining why she needs the scarecrow to the scarecrow because she's trying to cast a time travel spell because mommy didn't love her. Blah, blah, blah. So she needs his brain, which I just want to... Why his brain? It. Who knows? Who knows? But this was covered back when she was putting together the time travel spell, except it was much more subtle. They didn't come out and say she took the scarecrow's brain. It was just, oh, the elements of it are a brain, a heart, courage, and... Well, they had it. It was, it was wisdom. It was love. And it was courage, because you can't really... <laughs> right. I'm just saying that in the time travel season, they did this with some really nice subtlety, so now they have to just bash that away, because this season is everything that's terrible. And she took Rumpel's sanity. That was his... Right. That was the brain. But no, this time she's going, full Frankenstein needs a brain. And she's going to rip it out of a scarecrow for some reason. Is he a smart scarecrow? We, we have no context for this. I'm so glad you said that. That's the problem with these seasons of Once Upon a Time. The reason she needs the Scarecrow's brain is because that matches the story. Not, we've written a story that brings us around to being the Oz story, and oh, now it's cool, and a reveal, because it adds depth to the story. Instead, the story's an excuse. Yeah, there's sort of an over-reliance on you already knowing these stories, if you've never seen Wizard of Oz, you should be able to go into this knowing nothing and still have it stand as its own story, which this doesn't. Why would she want a Scarecrow's brain? And we don't really get resolution on that in this episode anyway, and I don't think we ever do. I'm assuming she attempts the spell with this brain and it doesn't work. I, right? She gets the brain at the end of this episode. But we know from several seasons ago that that's not the brain she uses. <sighs> anyway, this attempted craniectomy is halted by... Adult Dorothy, who has returned from Kansas. Okay. Yep, now she's Battle Dorothy. <laughs> yes, now she's Battle Dorothy. Which basically means instead of a gingham dress, she's wearing just a plain blue denim dress and a leather waist cinch, which is a look I'm kind of here for. Yeah, she looks cool. We're not going to get a ton of Dorothy. This dynamic feels vastly underexplored. So, she's here to be Snow White to Zelina's evil queen. You know, I guess now we should be glad that we don't get a lot of Dorothy because she is never subjected to being the Mary Margaret to this story, Zelina. So she confronts Zelina, who throws a fireball at her. Dorothy ducks and the fireball hits a guard in the face and burns his head off. It's, it's weird. And Toto pops out of Dorothy's battle purse and then rips a curtain off of the wall, which falls on Zelina. Zelina is getting defeated like a Saturday morning cartoon villain here. Well, I mean, obviously this is supposed to speak to the moment in Wizard of Oz when Toto pulls down the curtain and we see the wizard behind the curtain. But instead, because there's nothing behind the curtain, the curtain just falls on Zelina and traps her just long enough for Dorothy to get away with the scarecrow. Before all of this goes down... 
Zelina sees that Dorothy has the silver slippers. Remember, we're going off book canon here because Disney does not own the MGM Wizard of Oz. Yeah, book canon. Sure. Hmm. I don't, I'm just saying, I don't see any ceramic people in this kingdom. True. So the Kansas Dorothy's from isn't the land without magic Kansas. It's its own separate story realm, right? No, it is the world without magic. Okay, oh right, you can use magical items in the world without magic. And the slippers are one of the items that can take you to the world without magic. Why wasn't Rumple looking for the slippers? I know we can't fall into this every time, but if it can take you to the world without magic and back with no problems, that seems a lot simpler than, you know. I mean, I know he found out about them in the episode where he trained Selena, but he could have gone to Oz and just taken them. I mean... I think in that episode, we were meant to see that he was trying to get them, but he gave up really quickly to do his weird, convoluted, raise a child to cast the dark curse thing instead. I mean, I guess he'd already been working on that for several hundred years at this point, and... Are you saying that Rumpel was the victim of the sunk cost fallacy? Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. He'd, he'd been invested in this project for many, many years, and an easier solution appeared, and he's like... But I've already spent so much time working on this. But yes, Dorothy can travel between realms because she has the silver slippers. And she's Mary Margaret to Zelina's evil queen. These are the important things to know. She manages to make her escape. And the show, for whatever reason, does not have Zelina shout at her, I'll get you and your little dog too. Hmm. And instead just shouts, no, big no. You can teleport and fly. There's no reason for you not to go after her here. I mean, doesn't her teleportation have a physical component? And she's tangled up in the curtain. Oh no, curtains. If only I hadn't bought magic-inhibiting curtains. We haven't been really talking about the opening credits in a while, but these ones are creepy as hell. The opening credits for this plot are using a red filter instead of the traditional blue filter for the title card. You know, because we're in hell. And... It's just got a bunch of munchkins standing, staring at the camera, and it has this very creepy zombie feel to it. Munchkins are not important to this story. Except that munchkins are the ones who told Dorothy that the scarecrow was in trouble, so they're the ones that brought her back to Oz. How did they do that? How did they get a message to her? And this is something Zelina says and then believes. We don't see anything supporting this. This is a conclusion she's jumped to, which is apparently correct. How did anyone get a message to Dorothy in the world without magic? Yeah, this whole plot just doesn't, it straight up does not work. Honestly, I think a lot of Once Upon a Time going forward, we have to ignore the whole point of the first season, which is that it's difficult to get to the world without magic. Mm. Actually, I think we should have accepted that several seasons ago. If we were the kind of people who accepted that easily, we would not be here recording these podcasts. So, back in Underbrook, Hades is wandering around his sad, dusty town. Exploring his domain, looking at the sad, sad, photoshopped picture of him and Zelina from years ago that he ripped from the storybook. The gears move because, once again, the Storybrook crew has brought hope to the underworld, I guess. But it only clicks forward one. Only Liam's ascension counts, apparently, not all of his crew. You'd think, right? You'd think everyone would be stuck in Storybrook from this point on. This is a point we are going to hammer in multiple times over the course of this, what's left of this season. Yes. Hades is working with Rumpel to open a portal, 
from the underworld to Storybrooke because there's something he needs for his incredibly circuitous plan that we have no idea what it is, but apparently he needs a portal open from Storybrooke to hell for part of it to move forward. He tells Rumpel that even though he can travel to and from hell, he can't take other living people. That's weird. I mean, Mary Margaret will do that very shortly in the future. Also, Rumpel is opening the portal, which means Rumpel has no problem casting a spell that will do the thing Hades wants to do. But Hades, king of the underworld, doesn't have that kind of power. He said he needs dark one blood, but... Okay, so I guess I guess in the hierarchy of power in Once Upon a Time, the dark one is more powerful than the king of the underworld. I guess that's... I guess that's established enough. But in that case, why is Hades a threat with his contract? Well, Rumpel seems to forget that he can just kill people a lot of the time. Right? I mean, you know what would prevent Hades from collecting on his contract? If he killed Hades like he killed that guy from Battlestar Galactica. Exactly! I mean, this isn't exactly Buffy Season 5. Gods aren't super impressive here. That is the truth. Back in the overworld, in Storybrooke, Belle is dropping in to visit Zelina and Robin's child. Also Neil. And Neil. She is having some sort of motherly instinct. You see, Belle doesn't know right now that she's pregnant, but nonetheless, she seems to be drawn to babies. This whole scene's kind of weird because Belle approaches the two babies, which are sort of just alone in cribs in this random hallway. It's a nursery in the convent. I'm sure there's like a monitor so that the nuns can go about their business and not be physically in the room. It's just, it's very abandoned. Yeah, well, they couldn't afford to pay any of the actresses who play the fairies to be in this episode. Except for Blue. Yes, because Belle's fussing over the two babies is interrupted by the greatest evil in this show, the Blue Fairy. Okay, so I'm a little disturbed by Belle's fussing. Uh, Belle appears to be feeding the babies, and she has two bottles that are different colors, and she says, she's going to say that the red bottle is for Robin's baby, Zelina's baby, which means that this is probably breast milk if she- If it's not just formula. Right. Like you could just give formula to either baby. Exactly. I mean, I guess anyone can drink breast milk, but- But- Where did they get Selena's breast milk, and when? Okay, so putting that aside, I mean... Maybe maybe the bottle she's feeding Neil is breast milk, and the bottle she's feeding Robin is formula. And by the way, formula is fine. Calm down. Formula is fine for babies, just... It's scientifically formulated. It's fine. Its invention caused the infant mortality rate to drop dramatically. But anyway, so Belle is interrupted by Blue, who's come to check on the babies, but then Blue and Belle are interrupted by Blue. Oh yes, it turns out that the first Blue Fairy was not the greatest evil, it was just Selena in disguise. And she's like, I'm here for my baby, ha ha ha, I'm so wicked and bad. And Belle's like, <gasps> so... As much as we have a problem with Zelina, I do really like that Zelina has genuine maternal feelings for her child and that that's not part of some 
diabolical plot. I do like that she is allowed to both be evil and experience love. I don't like that the plot seems to be maternal love will redeem you and turn you into a good person. I feel like it plays into something that that's sadly common in real life where people who are in who come from abusive families or are in abusive relationships will have a baby just so that they'll have someone to give them unconditional love. I mean, she actively says that several times. Yeah, it plays into a really toxic way of thinking. A baby is not going to save you. A baby's not going to redeem past deeds. Well, I mean, the show's whole view on what parenthood is is not great, so... That's just part and parcel of how this show deals with parenthood. Mm. Consistency! Down in hell, Hades and Rumpel are opening up a portal while this is going on above them. And Rumpel's like, okay, okay, seriously, dude, what the fuck is your motivation? We're pretty far into this story arc, and you you just seem to be doing things for no reason. And Hades tells him, how about if instead of telling you my motivation, you just get me Zelina's baby, and then I... tear up the contract, and don't care about your baby anymore. And Rumpel's like, oh, okay, that's, I don't really care. I was just making conversation. Yeah, I'm just killing time, dude. This is one of the rare occasions where magic actually requires you to, you know, like, physically do stuff. There's this weird bit where Hades takes out a curved knife because Rumpel's blood is the last ingredient in the spell, but... Oh, that makes sense, because Rumpel's blood is what opened the portal to hell. Yeah. So Rumpel's blood is what will create the portal back to Overbrook. Okay, you know what? Okay. Yeah. So it cuts back and forth between Rumple finishing the spell and Zelina picking up her baby and being like, you can't do anything to stop me now without hurting my baby. Which, I'm sorry, do you not know Blue? You think Blue gives a shit about hurting kids? Yeah, but Blue also doesn't seem to give a shit about the baby because she just stands there threateningly and does nothing. Belle's the one who jumps at Zelina when the ground starts shaking and grabs the baby away from her. Yeah, she wrestles the baby away from her as a portal opens, and then she jumps into the portal baby first. Yes. Okay, so Belle seems to think, by the way, that Zelina has created this portal. So I don't know why she jumped into it instead of running away from it. But like you said, she did have the baby to cushion her landing. Mm. So at this point, I'm going to bring up something that we don't really discover till the end of the episode, but I think it's important. Mm -hmm. The reason that Hades is trying to steal the baby is because he loves Zelina and he wants to do something for her, like get her baby back. Right. And not, as everyone assumes throughout this episode, because he's going to use the baby as a magical component in his spell. If he had just chilled out, Zelina was like seconds away from achieving her goals. I know that this is meant to be seen as a sweet thing he was doing for her, but maybe if he just trusted her for 10 seconds, everything would have been fine. How aware is Hades of stuff that's going on outside of hell? Because... I mean, he's not, so it would have had to have been blind trust that Zelina could handle her own affairs. So, the portal's opened, Belle, Zelina, and the baby have fallen through it, but they are not where Hades was expecting them to be. They're just somewhere in hell. Yeah, outside of a farmhouse, and... I was kind of joking about Belle using the baby to break her fall. The baby is definitely under her when we see where they landed. Yeah, she landed on top of that baby. 
I mean, I think she was holding it close to her body to try to cushion it, but... It really looks like she used the baby to break her fall. The baby is fine. Belle is fine. Zelina has broken her ankle and discovers that she has no magic here, wherever here is, when she tries to heal it. Well, she recognizes uh, She recognizes that they are in the underworld. She realizes that her ex is the one who brought them here. Which is usually never a good thing. And she immediately jumps to the conclusion that Hades wants her baby so that he can do what she was trying to do back in the season where she was the big bad and open a time portal, blah, 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 blah. She's genuinely distressed because she wants to protect her baby and Belle runs off with it and Zelina can't do anything because she's got a broken ankle. Yeah, honestly. And no magic. The baby's in better hands with Belle. She's in a much better state to protect it right now. Yeah, that's true. Well, and that's a truth that Selena will acknowledge at the end of this episode. Back in the past, Selena is pulling a Regina and she's threatening to kill the munchkins if they don't tell her where Snow White, I mean Dorothy, is. She actually kills one of the munchkins. She kills Bach. Who you might remember from Wicked the Musical or Wicked the Book or Wizard of Oz the Book. But probably not Wizard of Oz the Book. They can use him because he is in Wizard of Oz the Book, but you probably remember him from Wicked the Book. Or Wicked the Musical. So she fries Bach and Hades appears and he's like, oh, I was attracted by your artistic way of murdering people. The way you fried that guy's face earlier in the episode. Wait, the guy that she killed by accident? Yes, the guy she killed when she threw a fireball and missed. So it, It's funny because this scene really reminds me of when Dahofren is first trying to win over Willow. And he talks about how everyone at the home office was so impressed when she flayed Warren. But Willow intentionally flayed Warren. Yeah, Hades is like, I was so impressed with all the evil, I'm sorry, wickedness you do. And he flashes his hair on blue so that... He can prove he's the king of the underworld and all the munchkins run away. All the munchkins run away and then they stop like 20 feet away from where they were before. Well, the set's not that big. Mm, True. The background is just green screen. There's nowhere for them to run. It's like the end of Truman Show when he sails into the horizon and, you know. Clonk. Yeah, exactly. So Zelina, while he's talking about how she's a beautiful, like how talented she is in the art of murder, she starts casually sweeping up box ashes with her broomstick which is a cute bit of stage business that's the most i have ever liked selena because okay first i didn't realize she was sweeping up bach that's amazing and also it was just like all right you go ahead and keep talking i'm just gonna do me over here so he has a whole we can roll together blah 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 thing and she's like well i'm not sure i want to get in bed with the devil and he's like ah I'm not the devil. We're going full Beauty and the Beast 2017. He clarifies that Hades and the devil are not the same thing, which tantalizingly suggests that there is a devil. Yeah, he says people are always getting the two of us mixed up, which implies that we will see the devil at some point. We haven't seen the Hyperion Heights season, but I don't think that ever actually came to pass. No, that's a shame. Yeah, they should have started working in early uh, 1800s morality tales. Well, see, here's the problem that Stargate has. Stargate, they fight the gods, right? Turns out the Egyptian gods were actually aliens and they come to Earth and you fight them. Norse, Greek. and So then it expands, right? Then we meet the Norse gods, then we meet the Greek gods. 
And then we meet the Christian gods, and it's weird, because the show doesn't want to say Christianity is aliens. So these aliens are impersonating actual gods. They're not the gods we worship, but we're just going to try to not talk about what the Ori actually are. I hear that season's not great. It's not. Well, the problem is the show got canceled. They wrapped everything up and then they got an extra season. Just like with this show. Back in Underbrook, Mary Margaret and David are getting the most boring breakfast you could possibly get. Yeah, the blind witch serves them their usual. Plain oatmeal. And plain toast. Unbuttered toast. That's what David eats. I thought she was making fun of them. But no, this is apparently their regular order. And Mary Margaret's upset because, well, first off, she's upset because the Blind Witch already knows what their regular orders are. So they've been in hell long enough that the Blind Witch knows their deal. Knows that they're the two blandest people on the face of the Please bring me the whitest thing on your menu. Plain unbuttered toast and plain oatmeal. My God, that's... If I was going to make fun of David and Mary Margaret, I could not do it better. No, you can't. That's the thing that you would mock them as ordering. Yes! But Mary Margaret's sad because she realized that they've been in hell too long and and baby Neil is going to forget all about them. And why can't we ever actually raise our babies? We literally had Neil so we would have a baby to raise. And yet we seem to just dump him off any chance we get. Mary Margaret, stop doing our job. And Anya's like, well, you know, you could just haunt him. It's like a basic thing everyone down here does. And Mary Margaret's like, did you just call me basic? Because that is 100% accurate. How do we do that haunting? And Anya says that she will tell them in exchange for David's breath. Because apparently the black market in hell is super into living dude's breath. Okay. Sure, why not? You know who we haven't seen in a while? Who? James. Yeah. Like, I thought there was going to be a big thing with him and he will come back into the plot later. But it seems very bizarre that James is kind of a non-entity in this season. Huh. That is really odd. It's really odd that they had this fact planted that could be used for so much dramatic tension right now, and it's hardly ever addressed. Huh. So David and Mary Margaret go off to the phone booth that they use to haunt Neil so that their child won't forget what their voices sound like. Good, that's not going to traumatize him. I mean, he's a baby. He won't care. And then we see a terribly photoshopped image of the scene we just saw because Henry was upstairs being an author and he came downstairs to show them all the story he just saw. Yeah. And Hook's like, what the shit, bro? This is giving us no useful information about Hades. And Henry's like, get off my ass, dude. I'm literally channeling the powers of the universe to spy on a god. It might not come out right the first time. Okay, that's true. But also I felt really called out in this scene because Hook is like, hey, how come you're focusing on the boring stuff instead of the more interesting stuff in the story? And Henry's like, shut up. I'm the author and you're not. (laughs) They're kind of leaning heavily into Henry as a teenager here. It's weird. The more abusive and awful he is to the characters around him, the more I like him. It is unusual, huh? So, Henry's still our favorite character here. Or at least mine, I can't say. No, no, no. I mean, 
as much as I feel like this scene is calling you and I personally out, mm. I do still like Henry. And, I mean, how can I not be on Henry's side? Literally, the plan for getting out of hell is to wait for Henry to think of something. The rest of the storybook crew is doing nothing to get out of hell. Yeah. Seriously, Hook, why don't you fart around some more? Also, really, Hook, you're getting on someone else's case? It's your fault everyone's down here. Maybe he's hoping everyone will forget it's his fault if he's mean to someone else. That's a classic uh, distraction tactic. Emma and Regina trying to pacify Henry is kind of hilarious, though. They are being adorable supportive mothers. They're like, nope, the writing's good. I mean, it's it's not what we need right now, but it's it's well written. And, and Regina compliments the illustrations, which is how you can tell that she's Henry's mom. Yep, moms are required to do that no matter how terrible the illustrations are. Should he even get credit for those? I mean... Well, he goes into a trance when he does all of it. Like, that character on Heroes, whose superpower was getting high and painting the future. Yeah. It's a weird superpower. It's a weird superpower... And multiple people have it throughout the course of the show. I don't know how far you you only got through the first season, right? Yeah, I watched the first few episodes of season two and I wasn't I wasn't digging it. It turns out there are like four other people who have that superpower over the course of the show. Do they all have to get high to do it? No. Oh, okay. There's a knock at the door. There's a knock at the door, and it's Zelina who needs their help because the baby's in hell. First Regina has a little smirk and thinks oh someone killed you but Zelina's like yeah I'm alive and Regina's like you managed to come down to hell while still alive and Zelina's like what like it's hard also I I get assuming that you know Zelina's dead because someone killed her but she also could have got hit by a bus or had a heart attack on the toilet like you can die in a non-dramatic fashion most people do uh, they vaporized Zelina and she still wasn't dead, so I'm gonna say no, she's not gonna die of natural causes. He's getting hit by a bus, natural causes. In that it's not magical. Mm. You couldn't mystically be brought back from the dead after getting hit by a bus. If you got hit by a, the magic school bus, then you could be brought back from the dead with mystical means. Oh, that's a good question. Is that a magical death or not? Yeah. Okay, now you can't cut this. Was the magical school bus driving with its internal combustion engine, or did it- Well, it runs off magic. It's inherently a magical device. If you're killed by a mystical weapon, does it count as a magical death? I don't know. I think, yes, that's a magical death. I think getting run over by the magic school bus would count as a mystical death. Please leave all of this in. Okay. All right. I'm going to put up a poll on our Twitter feed. Whether or not getting killed by a magical weapon- like the magic school bus, is a magical death that you can be revived from in Buffyverse rules. Back in Oz, Hades is commenting on how pathetic it is that Zelina is throwing herself a birthday party, and she's like, excuse me, it's not a birthday party, it's an abandonment day party. Hades is like, that's sadder. So Hades explains to her that the reason he's stalking her is because he wants... To help her defeat Dorothy so that she can help him get his revenge. He wants to go back and get Zeus just the way she wants to go back and get Regina. Because when Zeus was handing out god jobs, as presumably after defeating Cronus and saving everyone, Hades got assigned the Underworld gig, and in order to run the Underworld... Zeus had to stop his heart, and now he can't feel or have 
emotions or any of that jazz. He describes this as a curse, a curse that can be broken with true love's kiss, by the way. It's not a great relationship, but by Greek god standards, Hades' thing with Persephone is probably as true love as you're gonna get. Well, Zelina is Persephone. Yes, in this situation, Zelina is Persephone. Oh my god, that makes Cora Demeter. <laughs> That's odd. Well, grain. Oh my god! Mind blown? Yes. Hades claims that until this curse is broken, he can't, you know, go back up to the overworld, but he goes to the overworld all the time. Is there like a time limit when he's there that he wants to get around? It kind of reminds me of, uh, okay, so there is a story that's really infamous in X-Men circles called the Draco. Okay, I don't know this story. It's the story that uh, cemented Azazel as Nightcrawler's dad. Okay. So it turns out that Mystique got impregnated by this demon mutant guy who was trapped in a demon hell dimension, except he could leave it so he could impregnate women so that they would give birth to mutants who could teleport and travel through the hell dimension so that he could escape the hell dimension. But how did he get out of the hell dimension to impregnate the... The women. Yeah. Yep. It's it's an infamous X-Men story. It's not a good one. Huh. Okay. Well, none of this makes any sense, but it does set up stakes and motivation. Sort of. Okay, so we have vague goals for Hades now. He wants his heart to start beating again, and he wants to not be the king of the underworld. Because it turns out when you're the king of the underworld, everyone hates you. Okay, whatever. Well, you could make the underworld a slightly nicer place, and maybe everyone would stop hating you. Ah, he can't, because the underworld is a place of destruction and decay. We'll get to that. Mm. But his plan to get his heart started again is to travel back in time and stop Zeus from... He he wants to be the one who becomes king of Olympus. How is traveling back in time going to achieve this goal? Is he going to be the one who stops Kronos? I mean... Maybe he can go back in time and kill Zeus like the second after he stopped Kronos and then claim he's the one who did it? I just... I, I don't... I still don't, like, get his plan. It's very weird. And he claims he's not the devil, but... Zeus and Zeus is his brother and not his father, but there are still a lot of Lucifer parallels here. Yeah. There's a real fallen angel trapped in the underworld, ruling in hell kind of thing happening here. Which, I mean, I don't think Hades was like super psyched about his gig, but he wasn't upset about it or anything. Yeah. Like he had a pretty sweet setup down there. And also, he's like the least dickish of the Greek gods. Well, I mean, I guess I guess I can't get too hard on Once Upon a Time for conflating Hades with the devil when when it's theoretically cribbing its Greek mythology from the Hercules movie, which also conflates Hades with the devil. Yeah, I mean, it's not an uncommon thing. So back in Underbrook... Uh, Zelina is like, okay, I'm in hell, but I'm alive, and Belle is here, and she has our daughter, and we need to rescue our daughter because Hades wants her. I'm sorry, let me stop you there. She does not say that Belle is there. She just says that her daughter is there. 
and they need to find her. Regina says she can't do a locator spell because they don't have anything of the babies. And Zelina fails to mention that Belle has the baby. They could do a locator spell on Belle. Do they have any of Belle stuff? Rumple's in Underbrook and they don't know he's working with Hades. Yeah, he probably is something. Yeah. He probably brought that damn chipped cup. God damn that chipped cup. Regardless, they go looking for the baby. And then we see Belle homing in on the library like she does. She's like, what is this place? It's, it's the library. It's slightly less organized than it is when you're running it. It's a library with no librarian, which I feel like Just- in a better story would be the way that it traps Belle mm. because she can't leave. She just has to organize all of the books. Honestly, that would be a really good way to trap me. Just put me in a room with a bunch of unorganized books. You do like to alphabetize. I need to alphabetize. The secret library door starts to slowly open and Belle hides behind a stack of books. Not very well. You can still very clearly see her through the stack of books, but it's Rumpel. He's come back from under Underbrook from Hades's sub-basement. Sure. And Rumpel is surprised to see her, and then Belle is surprised at his surprise because she thought Rumpel opened the portal to bring her over. And Rumpel's like, oh, no, I, I didn't. And she's like, so you were trying to capture a baby? That does not look good. Yeah, and he's like, okay, look. For once, I'm going to be totally freaking honest with you. Kind of good for Rumpel, right? Yeah. He's like, Hades made me do it because I owe him a baby because of a deal we made. Also, I'm still the dark one, and yeah, that's what's going on. Also, you're pregnant. Also, you're pregnant. And she's like, that's a lot of information to absorb in five seconds. She's not pleased that Rumpel made a deal that means that the baby that she now knows she's carrying is going to be handed over to Hades, which is fair. Yeah, fair. But I kind of love this because Rumpel's like, look, I'm just not bullshitting with you anymore. Rumpel, like, Rumpel is doing our job now because he tells her, look, you know, you keep saying you want to find the man under the monster, but let's be honest. You're in love with the monster. Yeah. You've only known me as this person. And the sooner we come to terms with the fact that I'm always going to be this person, the more we'll be able to manage our expectations about this relationship. I still love you, but I am constrained by the person I am. And you love me, and you need to accept that I am not going to become a different person over time. I can curb my habits but this is always going to be something you're going to have to deal with and bell's like uh no which is fair but also i appreciate this i appreciate that he's just laying his cards on the table i mean a little late but good good for him seriously i mean this is a really needed moment between the two of them this is the moment that would make me understand rumbell shippers if it went differently yeah I would be all about shipping Rumple and Belle if she owned up to being drawn to the evil in him. I totally ship Rumple and Cora. And Rumple and Lacey. Absolutely. I guess I just really like supervillain couples. But I do also appreciate that Belle, even to save her own child, is not about to physically hand a child to the devil. Yeah, she's like, no, we're not doing this. I'm not going to give you this baby. 
And I do like that she clarifies. She's like, I'm not making any choices now. We get back with our friends. We get back to the real world. You fix all of this. You know what? That's good. That's smart of her. You shouldn't make these kind of decisions under pressure. And this is really under pressure. Yeah, she's like, I need time to think about this. And I need to not be in this environment. Yeah, once upon a time's going to need to get rid of these characters because they're just walking around doing the logical thing to move the plot forward. Luckily, David and Mary Margaret are here. Not here, here, but we cut to them waiting in line to haunt their baby. Yeah, so apparently Inspector Spacetime is in charge of hauntings. Despite the fact that Underbrook is designed to look like a town in Maine, the telephone is a red British telephone box. Eh. They talk to the guy in line behind them and he's like, yeah, you don't know, you just have to hope. Which, why would Hades put this here in the first place if he hates hope? But, yeah, you have to have hope so that your words are getting through to whoever you're talking to. And this guy apparently has it because he's been making these calls he doesn't know is getting through for, like, 30 years. I think that people being able to stay in touch with Overbrook, with their loved ones back home, is part of what keeps them trapped in Hades' realm. Ah, because they can't move on. Yes, in the woods, the Storybrook crew and Zelina are looking for the baby, and Zelina wants to know what they've named it. She throws out a few. She's like, I hope you haven't named it Brittany or, God forbid, Marion, which, I'm sorry, you killed this lady and then raped her husband? Seriously, what the fuck? Also, once upon a time, way to be mean to all of your fans named Brittany. Yeah, that is kind of... I mean, Zelina is evil. And Robin Hood... This is probably the smartest thing he does in the show. He's like, we didn't, we haven't named the baby yet because names give people power over you. I know, I like that. So he doesn't want Hades to have power over the baby, so they have not yet given it a name. Also, he doesn't want to give the baby a name until he has been with her long enough to know what name suits her personality. And that can't happen because he immediately went to Underbrook, which Zelina calls him out for rightly i think yeah she says you had a newborn to take care of i was banished and you decided to come down to hell and save a pirate who didn't even deserve to be saved you decided to abandon our newborn child to go rescue a dude you've had maybe three conversations with it's gonna feel really weird to say this but zelina is right what this episode seems to be hammering in is that basically everyone who went on this rescue mission should not have done that. They're not contributing to the rescue mission, and they have babies at home that need them. Honestly, the rescue team should have been Emma, Henry, and Rumple because they need his blood, and they would have been in and out in 15 minutes. Seriously. Like, maybe, Regina? Maybe? Maybe. I mean, because Rumple immediately ran off to do his own thing. Well, I mean, he wouldn't have if he knew that the point was to get in and out. Mm, true. So, yeah, they brought a whole bunch of unnecessary people with them. So, this is the, what I would call the iconic scene of this episode. You mean where Hades teaches Zelina how to ride a bike? Yes, they're at the wreckage of Dorothy's old house. They find 
Dorothy's old bike and Hades decides to teach Selena how to ride it. And Selena's like, how's this going to help me find Dorothy? And he's like, oh, you'll see. Yeah, she likes riding it. It's like a broom with wheels. Is it? Is it like a broom with wheels? No. Also, this feels really forced. Like, the show wanted to get the Wicked Witch on a bicycle, since iconically she is on a bicycle, but no. And then she falls on, like, they fall into a gulch, and they roll over. Yeah, but they, they fall down laughing, you know? It's not, it's not a crash. Yeah, they're rolling over each other and laughing, but they fall into a gulch, because, you know, she was Mrs. Gulch in the MGM. Yeah. So, it's a romantic moment, and she's like, okay, there, there's heat between us now, which... There's not, but okay. She's like, enough flirting. How's this going to help me find Dorothy? And he's like, locator spell. And she's like, oh. that The most basic form of magic? Honestly, I'm offended that the Wicked Witch of the West needed Hades to tell her to use the most basic form of magic. Also, she doesn't need to know how to ride a bike to use a locator spell. Well, I think the point is that the bike's going to go really fast once she puts the spell on it, so she needs to be physically on it. I'm so glad they didn't show us that. Back in Underbrook, Robin has found Belle because I guess he's that good of a tracker that he just immediately knows... Where in the woods she was wandering around vaguely. Yeah, so he finds Belle and he takes the baby and... And Belle's like, what are you doing with Selena? Evil, remember? Evil? And Selena's like, well, I have a baby now, so that means I'm good. Yeah, then it becomes a really uncomfortable custody dispute because Belle's like, she stole your baby. And Selena's like, um, it's my baby. I'm the mother. And, oh, it's super uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable. And she's like, won't you please just let me hold my baby? I don't have any magic. I'm injured. There's nothing I could do. And Robin's like, okay. So she has the bottle, the bottle that Belle had when she was in the convent, and Robin gives her the baby and lets her feed it, and as she's feeding it, her magic sparks back for just a moment, because the maternal love fixes her. See, I don't like that trope, but that's- It's, it's not great, but- It's happening, right? Yes, when she feels maternal love, it allows her to tap into her magic. She shoots light at Regina, Robin, and Belle, and- scampers off with the baby she's still injured right i think because she has magic she feels slightly better i don't know maybe it's adrenaline back in the charming loft david and mary margaret return they say that they chatted with neil over the telephone but they don't know if neil heard them or not and mary margaret takes emma's hand and she goes would it have helped you through your horrible shitty shitty childhood if you heard us whispering in your ear every once in a while would that have made you feel less abandoned and you know like you're a worthless piece of human garbage that no one wanted and i was like sure mom sure okay but it's not like david and mary margaret were not looking for emma they were trapped in a time loop i mean they weren't looking for emma because they were trapped in a time loop yeah the whole situation would have been different like yeah yeah, um, yeah, mom and dad, on the whole, I would have liked for you to have not been cursed and therefore not able to contact me when I was growing up. So, back with Selena, she has moderately escaped, but the baby is crying, and she notices that there is a tiny cut on the baby's cheek. Yeah, she realizes that she did that with her magic when she blasted the 
storybook crew. And she tries to heal it, but she doesn't have magic now because magic is super inconvenient like that. And she starts sobbing louder than the baby in an attempt to drown it out because Zelina is the biggest baby in any room she's in. Back in the flashback, Zelina and Hades arrive at Dorothy's place, the place where Dorothy is holding up with the Scarecrow. And Hades is like, oh god, the way you ride a bike is so fucking hot. I want to throw you down on the ground right now and make sweaty evil love to you. You're the most wicked, awful woman I've ever met. She's like, oh yeah, tell me how bad I am. They lean in, but do not actually kiss. Because, you know. Apparently they got true love. Evil people can have true love? Yeah. They are interrupted by arriving at Dorothy's campfire with the Scarecrow, which doesn't seem like a brilliant idea, but... Eh. Well, I mean, we know it's not because Zelina just really easily freezes Dorothy and then rips out the Scarecrow brain using what seems to be the same move they used to rip out hearts. I guess this is why they had CGI and not a dude. They rip out hearts out of regular people? Yeah, but you can angle that better. Could have angled it? Regardless. She has the weird straw brain. And Dorothy's like, I guess you're going to kill me now, huh? And Selena's like, do you not get our dynamic? Our dynamic is literally just a weaker version of the Mary Margaret Regina thing. I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to discredit you so everyone in Oz knows how shitty you are at protecting them. Okay. Sure. But she turns around and Hades is gone. (gasps) Yeah, not cool Hades. I know that he's back at her place, but still, not cool. Don't ghost. Back in Underbrook, the Storybrook crew is coming upon the farmhouse where Zelina is holed up because I guess Robin's still using his tracking skills. Sure. And Zelina comes out with the baby, limping again, and tells them that she can't protect the baby from Hades because her magic is all fritzy here, and she accidentally hurt the baby, and she's super distraught, and... She needs their help. Yes, She tells them that they're going to use the baby in the time travel spell. And Robin is confused for a second because he wasn't here for that season. And Regina fills him in. The baby represents innocence. So Robin's like, really? Really? That's what we're going with for this season? And Zelina's like, well, as far as I know, that's his plan. Zelina gives the baby to them. She does not say it is to give the baby her best shot, but that is what's happening. Which is nice because when she was having her abandonment day party, we saw the flashback to Cora throwing her into the tornado saying that Cora was doing this to give Cora her best shot. (laughs) So, you know, Zelina is a terrible person, but she is a better mother than Cora was. Boy, that's not a particularly high bar, but... You know, a lot of parents on Once Upon a Time can't meet it. Sad but true. So she throws the baby at Robin Hood and then runs screaming into her house, screaming and crying. Boy, that ankle's pretty inconsistent. Eh. Whatever. Back at the charming loft, Robin reiterates his point about how the baby not having a name is a good idea because Hades can't use it to trap her in the underworld. And then they realize they don't even want to keep the baby here in the loft because... Zelina might change her mind, or Hades might find them, and so Robin's gonna run off to the woods with the baby and hide. Yep, it's where he feels most comfortable, and the actor didn't want to be in this series anymore? I don't know. I think it was also so they didn't have to deal with having an infant around. 
they're like, look, we're only going to pay so many people to be in this show. And we're definitely not going to be paying a baby wrangler every week. After this is decided, Henry comes downstairs with the next set of pages that he has created. And he's like, look, I wrote down that the baby heard Mary Margaret and David's whining. Will you people get off my ass for five seconds now? And this inspires Snow White to realize that she wants to go home. What did you want before? And she's like, we can take Hades down now. We can stop him from stopping us. In the main street of Underbrook, Hades is just standing there all ominous. Was this episode like five seconds too short? It's just him standing there dramatically in the middle of the street for like five seconds. Well, they want us to think that he's going to confront Zelina, but then we cut back to a very important flashback where he is waiting in Zelina's throne room. Yeah, sure. Zelina's home set. Zelina's room full of bubbling green liquid. And Zelina returns and Hades disappeared after she got the brain, but he came right back here to cook her dinner, which is weird. He should have waited for her. Seriously. This is weird. But he tells her that he doesn't want vengeance anymore because he felt the stirrings of love. He felt his heart moving again when he watched Zelina rip out that scarecrow's brain. Yes. He's like, I can feel the true love and and you can feel it too. And she's like, dude, dude, we literally just met. Seriously, we literally just met. Disney. That's their bread and butter. Or in David's case, unbuttered bread. God. So Zelina is weirdly realistic about this. He's because Hades is like, I felt my heart for the first time in millennia, and you make me feel like dancing. Wanna dance the night away. And once we totally fucking make out, then my heart will be fixed and you'll fix all of the things that are wrong in my life. Fix me. I'm a broken man, Zelina, and I need your love to become whole. And Zelina is no one's manic pixie dream girl. Yeah, Zelina's like, okay, seriously, put the brakes on. We just met. This is like, you're using me. Everyone in my life is using me. And I can see it coming at this point. Come on, dude. You just want to take my time travel spell and use it for yourself. Which is not accurate, but he is using her. The show's position is not that he's using her, but he is. He wants her to just be the woman who fixes him. But she's like, no, get out. I don't need this. I'm going to do my super not convoluted and stupid revenge plan. You need to come up with your own stupid and overly complicated revenge plan. This is mine. Yes, that's exactly what happens. He says that she's going to regret this and then teleports away. Which is the basis for Zelina thinking that he is out to do evil to her in the present, which we cut to. Where she is meeting Hades up on the street. Main yeah. street of Underbrook. Yeah, they're having an awkward re-meeting. He tells her that he made Underbrook look like Storybrook for her. As a gift to her. Because she wanted to cast the dark curse and be the one who was in charge of all the cursed souls in Storybrook. So now she can be. When was that? That was never her plot. Was it? No, it wasn't. But this is the set they had, so let's go with it. Like, she wanted the time travel thing, and then she just wanted to... She didn't want to 
be Regina casting the dark curse. She wanted to be Regina having a good relationship with Cora, which, by the way, Regina never was. Yeah. He tells her, though, that the reason everything looks so shitty and red-filtered is because there's no creation in hell, only destruction and decay, but this will be our decay. Oh, titular line. Take a drink. Yeah, now Zelina's teamed up with Hades, because... I mean, that's basically what she does, right? She shows up and she teams up with whoever the big bad is in whatever season she's in, now that she's not the big bad anymore. I mean, we're coming fresh off her teaming up with Arthur. You're right, that is kind of her deal, isn't it? And we're going to see more of that when uh, we get to the next season. Huh. Come on, Zelina, what happened to sisters doing it for themselves? (laughs) I I do have to say, though, she doesn't team up with him at the end of this episode. He does give her her space. He tells her he wants to team up with her, and then he bamfs away. Mm. She's really sad that she gave up the baby when she didn't have to. So, that was this episode. I mean, I guess it wasn't terrible or anything. It was an episode of television. It was fine. It's fine. Didn't make me angry like some other episodes have. You know, I was pretty sure about the hell season being worse than the Peter Pan season, but now that we're in the thick of it, he said, shooting himself in the foot, I'm not entirely sure it is. I think the Peter Pan season might actually be worse than this. I think you might be right. So let's talk about fashion. I do like Battle Dorothy's outfit. I do. It doesn't, it doesn't super read Dorothy to me. It just looks kind of like generic battle princess, but it's not bad. It's a good generic battle princess. Well, it's interesting that you said that because Snow White is also not beholden to her movie outfit. Snow White never really looks like cartoon Snow White. When we see her as a a battle princess, her outfit is in no way calls back to the Disney, to the classical Disney dress. But yeah, nothing really jumped out at me fashion-wise. Dorothy was fine. I like the actress they played to they got to play Dorothy. She's she's got a real strength about her. I I really wish we got more Dorothy in this show. So that's a good segue to what this show should be instead. Oh god, I I really don't I I think this should have been Dorothy's intro episode. I think this should have been about Dorothy coming back to Oz, and I think it should have involved Hades. Yes, Hades should have been positioned as the Wizard of Oz. They should have done the main Wizard of Oz story that we know, but with Hades in the position where he was going to help her get home and ordering them to kill the Wicked Witch, but in fact working with the Wicked Witch to gather the materials. Yeah, he should have... Been working with Zelina to gather the ingredients for her curse, which is why he brought Dorothy back, because she wanted to use Dorothy to power the innocents. See? Yeah, Dorothy's innocence instead of a child's, and then it could have failed, and then that could be why they realized they needed different, more powerful magics, and then she could... Uh, yeah. So, and, and it would have helped a lot, too. We really don't get enough of Dorothy in this show, and she's really only involved in zelina's plot like she's really only involved in a subplot it's very odd which is a shame because everyone else gets to interact with stories other than their own but dorothy only gets to interact with wizard of oz Mm. Mm. and in a way that is kind of predicated on you already understanding the oz mythos yeah oh uh my mvp extra for the episode was the guy who got his head accidentally blown off by zelina poor guy it's it's just he opens a door and a fireball hits him in the face. 
Ah, the henchman retirement plan. (laughs) Uh, It's so unnecessary, too. There's literally no reason for it to happen. It is pretty dark. (laughs) I guess they needed to up Selena's body count, because she's killed, like, two people at this point in the show. I think that's it. And when you have Regina going around just randomly killing guards, you need Selena to do it, too. Yeah. Because remember, they're basically the same character. Except not. Except not. So that's it for this week. Mm-hmm. Next week is Our Handsome Hero. Oh, it's going to be the Gaston episode, is it? Yeah, yeah. No one backstories like Gaston. <laughs> no one has glowing red eyes like Gaston. This show is partially listener supported. If you would like to be one of those supporters, you can go to our website www.ilovetelevisionzines.com and click on our Patreon link. You can also listen to old episodes while you're there. We have some special stuff for our patrons. Uh, Deleted tangents. Sometimes I will read fairy tales. Uh, We have unedited episodes for our patrons. You can see the material that didn't make it here for various reasons. Usually good reasons. I might disagree with you there. Jokes that were too dirty for on the air or tangents that were too tangenty. We would like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Sam, Cassidy, Alex, Alicia, and Ryan. If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you can always rate and review us on iTunes. It helps other people find the show. If you want to talk about this episode, head over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash ilovetelevisionzines. Uh, We can also be contacted at ilovetelevisionzines at gmail.com or at ilovetvzines on Twitter. So until next time... I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to Storybrooke. Up there, there's so much room Where babies burp and flowers bloom Everyone dreams I could dream too Up there, up where the skies are ocean blue I could be safe and live without a care Up there They say I don't belong I must stay below Supposed to stay where evil is sown. Uh, uh.